The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That is Psalm 34, verse 18. Welcome to Orphans No More, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children in crisis through adoption, foster care, and kinship care. I'm your host, Sandra Flack, fellow adoptive mom on this journey with you. This is the fifth and final in our foster care focused series for the month of May, which uh, you might know is National Foster Care Month. And uh, we have another inspiring guest with us today. But first, I'd like to remind you that we are changing the name of this podcast to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I mentioned back in episode 320, I explained uh, why the name change, uh, the gist of it. We started as a radio program seven years ago on Christian Radio, uh, and we've been a podcast now for three years, solely a podcast. And now we know really who our intentional listeners are, our subscribers are folks like you, adoptive, foster, kinship parents, and you're tuning in for that encouragement and support for your journey. So as of June 1st, which is next week, the very next episode that drops will drop under the name, the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. Same host, yours truly, same content, same mission. We're here to serve and encourage you. Uh, So you won't need to do anything if you are currently a subscriber. It'll just show up uh, in your podcast lineup there uh, by the new name. If you're not a subscriber yet, if you're listening for the first time, please go ahead and subscribe today. uh, And you'll just notice that the next episode will drop as the new name. Uh, And when our listeners subscribe, so we really do want you to subscribe if you haven't yet Um, And if you uh, leave a review, so if you listen to this episode or any of our other episodes and you're listening and you think it's a great episode, a great uh, interview, uh, when you leave a review, uh, that's just like clicking those stars and maybe leaving a comment, that signals to the algorithm, you know, out there in cyberspace that this podcast is relevant. It's important. More people should be able to find it because people want to find it. Uh, So, that's, that's what we want, right? We want all adoptive foster care and kinship caregivers to find this show because we believe it is a vital resource uh, for you on your parenting journey. So by subscribing and by leaving a review, that helps more listeners to find us. So I hope that you will do that and um, leave that review. Also, in addition to that, we love to hear from you. I answer each email personally that we get, whether it comes through my my personal email address or my, it's not really my personal address, but it's my ministry website address, Sandra Flack, JFO at gmail.com. Or you can reach me right through the ministry, justicefororphansny.org. This podcast is a ministry extension of JFO. Uh, So you can reach out either way. If you have a comment, if you have a question or a suggestion, or, you know, maybe you're struggling with something parenting your kids, like maybe they, you know, we're coming to the end of this school year and maybe they just didn't do well and they're really struggling and things have been hard. And maybe you're starting to think, "Mm, I might not want to, but maybe homeschooling would be really good for my child. Or maybe it's, you know, uh, maybe, maybe my dog would benefit from a therapy dog or, you know, just whatever it could be, anything at all related to parenting uh, on this journey. And you just want to have a cup of coffee and chat with me, or you email me and you have some questions and I just answer by email. Uh, Sometimes I do schedule a call. So, however, if you want to reach out again, Sandra Flack, JFO at gmail.com or through the website, Justice for Orphans, ny.org. So stay tuned to the end of the show because I do have some more announcements to share about some resources we're going to be offering. Some we're already offering, some are upcoming, lots of exciting things going on. So stay tuned for that. Now to our guest, adoptive mom, Jody Thomas. 
Jody has been in the health and wellness field for over 20 years, as well as serving women alongside her husband, who was a senior pastor for over 25 years. Jody is familiar with life's challenges. She and her husband have stories of heartbreak to heart mending from adoption, infertility, illness, incarceration, and more. Despite life not working out the way she planned, Jody is passionate about sharing God's hope, health, and the abundant life available to women. Please welcome to the show, Jody Thomas. Hey, Jody. Hey, Sandra. How are you? I am excited to have you on the show. Uh, and I just want to let our listeners know because I, I read your intro and I know that you're you are a pastor's wife and you're an adoptive mom. Uh, you and your husband have two children through adoption. Um, they actually didn't come through the foster care system. I think kind of from your story uh, by you guys stepping in, they actually avoided foster care. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, so you intervened in their lives, essentially, um, you know, preventing them from needing to enter foster care. But tell us how your kids did come home to your family. Sure. Well, first, thank you for having me on. I uh, Today is a special day. It's actually the 25th anniversary of adopting our kids. And wow. it's been a wild ride. And so it's so special that we can do this on the, the anniversary. And it's just so important to what you're doing. And my just goal is to encourage the other adoptive moms out there to hang in there because been through a lot in 25 years. Uh, we actually <laughs> met the kids about 28 and a half years ago. We knew them for three and a half years before we officially adopted them when they were eight and nine. And uh, as you um, just said, my husband was a pastor. So we were actually in living in Omaha, Nebraska, and they lived two doors down from us. And we met them when they, uh, we lived on Poppleton Avenue and they came down uh, in front of our house on their way to 7-Eleven to pet our dog, Prince. So that's where we met him on Poppleton Avenue <laughs> through Prince. <laughs> and in that course of three and a half years, uh, the bio mom had a very bad drug addiction and they we found placement in our home. Our son, uh, he became our son later. My husband became a big brother to Rich. He lived with us. And then they actually have another sister who I refer to as Sherry, who was adopted by another family in our church and she lived with them. And then our older daughter, Tina, so live with somebody else. And, but in three and a half years, the mother is still just not able to get on her feet and provide a stable home and get her drug addiction under control. And it was really a God thing, uh, as you said, the foster, they were about to go in the system and God gave me a word picture to write uh, the bio mom a letter about baby birds needing to learn how to fly in a safe and secure nest where the mama bird could fly and that, that the kids need to be in a safe environment and nurtured and loved so they could fly and live. Um, a productive, healthy life. And a lot of people were praying and she uh, released the kids to us that night. And it's been a long journey since then. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, but I really, um, I'm so thankful for her seeing that at that time, it, I mean, that, that was the best for her kids and she did it out of love for them. So Wow. So you yeah. were familiar with the kids. They were walking by your house a lot. You got to know them, know the mom, um, kind of started that relationship. And that's, that is incredible. So there were three siblings, the two older kids you guys actually adopted. Um, how old were the children when you did adopt them? Were they eight and nine at that time? Yeah. Well, actually, I think our daughter just turned nine and our son was seven going on eight. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, your story is similar than uh, similar to mine, as in you know your kids came outside the system, so you and your husband didn't have any kind of formal training with trauma, no foster care classes, nothing really to prepare you uh, for mm -hmm. what kids who've experienced childhood trauma might struggle with. Um, just like our, when our first daughter came in in 1999, our daughter Missy. 
um, she was a relative. So we weren't, we just said, yes, of course she can come live with us. So there was no classes to take, no training, didn't even know we would need such a thing. Um, so we just struggled for many, many years with her. And it wasn't until we adopted a bunch of the other kids that we then started getting the training and realized, oh, <laughs> we should have known this many, many years ago. That would have been helpful, right? So it's one of the reasons yeah. why I talk about it a lot on the show. But um, so what was the adjustment like as they were growing up, as they were kids? Um, what challenges did you face? Because you had to encounter trauma because they were homeless for a time. Mom was, uh, you know, addicted to drugs and things. So what did, what yeah. kind of challenges did you face in, when they were kids? Uh, many, <laughs> many <laughs> challenges. And, um, okay. Well, first I think part of my, so our daughter Tina even said at one point, will you adopt us? And I think, uh, part of, I think one of I created one challenge by not having the right expectations. And just expecting too much, I think. I directed daycares, ours nurturing, babysitter. I just thought, okay, if I love them, they're going to respond positively back. So part of my challenge was too high expectations. And um, the challenge is uh, just that instead of the love and obedience, I got rejection and defiance. So that was a big challenge. And I wasn't prepared and it, it seemed like anything I did, they didn't respond to discipline. And um, and I know, too, we, we talked just that uh, even even I was reading a journal. I have a couple hundred pages of journals from several years ago. And we would send our daughter to team time out. And our daughter came out of time and said, nobody loves me. You know, and just so in hindsight, you know, I wish... Uh, I knew how to deal with some of those behavior challenges better, but, you know, I, I mean, our son had, uh, or also homework time was a nightmare. Our son did not read until he was fourth grade. So just some of those, you know, learning issues. Um, but also just, uh, especially our daughter was very defiant, but then I realized our son was a sneaky one. A lot of times he was pushing her buttons and she pushed my buttons. So I think for me, the challenge was just a lot of chaotic environment. I wasn't used to that. And also the rejection, like I became a stay-at-home mom, wanted to take great care of them. And then it was always like, they'd want to hang out with my husband. So, so some of those, I don't know. Can you relate? Yeah. Yeah, totally. A lot of the stuff that you're pointing out, um, very common. And then we can see it through that lens of rejection. I knew when my daughter came, uh, it was like, I, I took it personally for a long time because I felt like anything mm -hmm. I tell her to do, she doesn't do. Or if I tell her to not do something, that's the thing she does. And I always uh -huh. felt like, why does it seem like she's on purpose? You know, but she was, she was sort of that passive aggressive type to where she wouldn't tell me she wasn't going to do her homework. She just wouldn't bring it home from school. And if I asked, do you have homework? No, I don't have any homework. So it was always like, it seemed like, rebellion. It seemed like disobedience. It seemed like rejection all the time. Um, and I just, you know, struggled with that. I mean, her mom had passed away, so I understood mm. she had lost and we got her a little bit of counseling for that, but we, it was years before we really, uh, the, the, the level of trauma that she suffered was finally revealed to us. We didn't know yeah. until she was a later teen. Um, you know, and then when I did learn that stuff, it was like, Oh, now this makes sense. You know, this makes a lot of sense, but going into it, we didn't know what we were really looking at or dealing with, um, which makes it very challenging, especially if we're trying to parent traditionally, like how we were parented with timeouts and corporal punishment and things like that. Um, all of those things backfire and have an opposite effect on kids that have experienced trauma, kids that were prenatally exposed to, to substances. So um, not having that, um, education and those tools in the toolbox can, can really, we end up making way more mistakes as I point out in my book and, and uh, you know, we kind of learn as we go and I have no regrets out of, you know, all these years that we've been parenting. And I feel like even right now are some of the hardest years for us because our youngest two are 16 and 18 and it's so hard right now. Um, but you know, no regrets, but the one thing I wish I had had known if I could do anything over, it would be to have the tools about trauma and FASD that I have now 
if I had yeah. them from the very beginning, I feel like, um, you know, that would be, it would have been a game changer. Right. Um, yeah. But yes. In, in your situation, that was like 25 years ago, there was virtually no trauma training, no FASD training. Um, you know, Dr. Karen Purvis hadn't written her book, the connected child yet. Nobody, those things weren't really readily available to, to parents. So you really didn't have any tools or even supports, um, you know, on your journey. So how did you make it through those, that, that season? It had to be incredibly hard and isolating. <laughs> yeah, it was very hard. I think isolating is a good word too, because even, you know, they would act all charming in front of uh, other people and, and, and even the in-laws and then they would like, you know, push my buttons and then um, people wouldn't understand, you know, they're pushing me away and they'd be one, one way, you know, in public. Um, I mean, they, I mean, it was, I just wish I knew about attachment issues from the beginning. I took him to a lot of counselors and, but it seemed like it was almost two years before I said, oh, well, you know, attachment issues, but then also like you said, just the trauma and the substance abuse. Um, both their biological fathers, by the way, um, were in prison. You know, they signed the papers, let us adopt them. And then since our um, uh, daughter's biological father has passed away of AIDS in prison also, just I want to mention that. Um, but I, I, and then, I remember Tina's uh, teacher said, you need to get her tested for ADHD. And so we, even though our kids are older, my passion is encouraging, you know, keep parents in the thick of things to encourage them. So I, I've got the book you recommended, The Empowered, um, The Connected Child. And it was saying yesterday, you know, I mean, I was just reading yesterday, the medication aspect and the ADHD is part of the whole picture. Um, but I remember I took this neurologist and she had actually adopted kids and, uh, no, she had adopted a daughter and I was telling her all the issues of the kids. And I said, do you think I'm crazy? And, you know, for adopting these kids, do you think I'm crazy? And she responded, crazy like you is what the world needs more of. And <laughs> I just love that. And I want to tell your listeners out there, if you're feeling crazy, it's okay. But, you know, we're called to love and, um, you know, crazy love and we're being uh, Jesus to these kids. So I think just God gave me different God wings along the way and different people. Um, then uh, just a side note, I love that that doctor encouraged me, but then like six months later, another counselor said, well, I think you need to have a retester for ADHD. And she really did do much better once she was diagnosed and got a medication, but it's just so difficult. But I know, um, Just uh, God just gave me different people, people at church. I remember one time after church, another family took our daughter for the afternoon. So just reaching out, getting help, respite is so helpful. Um, I, mean, I tried to go to different counselors and get help, but I know we just also had family too. I remember telling my mother-in-law just how hard it was, you know, after the initial honeymoon was over and they sent, and my mother-in-law's Bible study group, sent a Valentine's care package and Aww. it was amazing. Yeah. I, I still, I wrote in my journal and these are some of the things that uh, they wrote to me. And again, I want to encourage your listeners because there are so many times I just wanted to give up. And now I thank God we stuck through it. Cause we'll get to that at the end, how well they're doing now. But, um, but I just want to encourage your listeners. One person said, stick with it in 10 years. You'll be glad you did it. And then Another lady said, stay close to God. He'll help you always. And just, I mean, so I think God just sent, you know, I call them little God winks or God hugs. You talked about this one on your podcast. Somebody sent you a little package. So I just yeah. want to, you know, I think we need to encourage each other and bear one, bear one another's burdens. Oh, that's great. We do, we do need that encouragement along the way, um, you know, because it's hard. It is hard. We have hard days, hard seasons. Um, and as parents, we don't know what we don't know. I know in the early days, I didn't know that we should have had this training that we should have understood things like attachment and trauma. Um, you know, so that was the case for my husband and I, um, and when we don't have, when we don't have the right tools for the journey, it's so hard. Um, and the challenges 
for you actually did get harder. I know I feel like we're in a season where it's harder because our youngest are teenage boys prenatally exposed to alcohol. So there's all this stuff going on. I feel like we're in the hardest season, but it also got harder for you as your kids got older, which is very common. So will you share with us um, your kids' journey into adulthood? Maybe let's start with your oldest, your daughter. Um, how did how did things unfold for her as she got older? Sure. Uh, before I go into that, I do want to say that I feel like I took them to different counselors and I went to counselors, but I wish that people had mentioned what you're sharing with your listeners. I mean, just about trauma. I mean, now, I mean, we adopted our kids 25 years ago and just two weeks ago, our daughter was in tears when she was talking about how sad she was that her bio mom, um, you know, took her away. I I mean, you know, didn't uh, broke up the family that she wasn't able to grow up with her younger sister. And I think that I wish counselor said, you know, your kids are broken and love them, you know, just, you know, more like strategies to parent them. But I I just want to share that just because I mean, the trauma is just they're broken and hurt. And they and transitions are really tough. So Mm -hmm. it's all like about a control thing. I don't know if you know, your kids that transitions are like act up and like, as I, if you like out of control, I guess it's like part of a, yes. um, Yeah. Stuff behind it. But so our daughter was just always stubborn and defiant, but she never really ran with a bad crowd. Um, But like the end of her senior year of high school, she did start like, um rebelling a little more and maybe not hang around the best people but she had already committed to go to college uh we lived in new jersey at the time and she's got into a christian college in uh, north carolina and so that's when uh so then after a year she failed out and that's and that's when we kind of had like a five year um, breakup. Uh, or I don't know if it's a breakup, but where we had very little contact and just that uh, separation. So that was pretty tough because I still like wanted to be, you know, mom and I wanted to be loving and nurturing and see her make better choices. But we just had to keep praying. And it was actually through um, a surprise pregnancy she had. That I think really God used to, um, you know, get, she had like a reason to live and she's a great mom. And now going from not talking for five years and feeling like she was continuing rejecting our love. Now she calls several times a week. We live an hour from her and her daughter, which is, she is a special needs daughter. She's eight. And um, so but it was just tough. So I, I just, I really want to encourage everybody out there not to give up, but to, uh, you know, surrender and ask God to help you get through these seasons. Cause I feel like there were times I never thought I'd make it to the other side, but it's just pretty, pretty miraculous that we talk so much now. And I think since I am sharing with Tina, I want to share too, that this was 19 years after I wrote that word picture that we wanted to teach our kids how to fly, you know, that, that we want to teach Rich and Tina how to fly that she wrote on Facebook. Um, I'm going to read exactly. She said, love you, mom and dad. Thank you for teaching me to fly. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty awesome. Wow. So again, yeah. I, I, I feel like a lot of times though, I was like hitting my head against the wall. I'm like, are we getting through? Are we making a difference? And so again, I want to encourage your listeners just not to give up, but to rely on God and um, ask him for help, but also to, you know, reach out and get support like with your podcast and other parents. So, so in a nutshell, that's, you know, Christina is doing great now and I'm so proud of her as a mom and she's working and, and uh, I, I did want her to get a taste of oppositional defiance, but now they're about her special needs. I'm like, okay, you're getting a big taste of it. I almost feel like <laughs> um, but, but she's a wonderful mom. And it's just so nice that we're now, you know, we relocated down here. So an hour away. And we went over to our house last Friday night and had a nice dinner outside. I was jumping on the trampoline with our granddaughter. So we just praise God for that. Wow. So that is, that's an awesome, uh, 
not that it's the end of the story, but you're in a really good place, which is wonderful. Um, But you're, you're, you know, as difficult as your journey with Tina had been, things got actually even harder with Richard. So can you tell us about that? Yes. Rich, Rich was always more of the quiet, uh, charming one. And Tina growing up was more a defiant one. And, and I do want to throw in that they're, they're both great athletes. We were on the YMCA soccer team and um, swimming. And it was nice to be able to give them opportunities that I knew they would have had and to see them doing that. But there was just a lot of chaos. And Rich, um, it was pretty, I mean, it was a lot easier as far as his, you know, not, not being as outright defiant, but like I said, looking back, he was a sneaky one, <laughs> not pushing buttons behind the scenes. But it, when he got into 11th grade, he really started spiraling downwards. He started drinking, hanging around with a bad crowd. And uh, yeah, that continued into his senior year. And sadly, instead of graduating from high school, he spent that graduation night, well, he had to go to summer school anyway, actually, but he spent that uh, day in county jail. He was arrested and um, that was horrible. He was, he had just turned 19 and, you know, me as a mom, I was like this sweet little boy, <laughs> but he wasn't a boy, but is in the county jail. And so we bailed them out and that started a horrible four year journey. And it actually would have been okay uh, because he got into a program after those initial charges that would have wiped his record clean, but then he got in trouble again out on bail. So he was in the system, department of correction system for four years and he served prison time and it was absolutely horrible uh, seeing him in an orange jumpsuit, not being able to touch him. We did not have a family picture for four years. There was a plexiglass barrier between us. Um, and it was just a horrible time because I, I felt like he didn't belong there. But then again, he did make choices to get him there. But, so it was very tough. How did, how did, um, he did his four years in, in jail. What, how did, like when he got out, what happened? Did you maintain relationship with him while he was in there? Yeah, we, uh, maintained a relationship and, you know, I mean, supported him through it, but then we also, uh, before he, Got back in the system. Well, he was in the system, but before he, um, well, we moved basically <laughs> to the middle of the country, and he was in New Jersey, and I was in South Dakota. But I still have a New Jersey number because that way he could call me collect. So we supported him best we could. But then he got out on a program called intensive supervised parole, and we I came back, set him up with a place to live, and he got in trouble again. So I actually ended up needing to quit my job. Um, I was a wellness director at the YMCA in South Dakota and I actually quit my job and moved back to New Jersey to help them through this program. So it was a really big sacrifice. And um, so, it, but it was a very big sacrifice. And then, um, so that was really rough. And there are many, many times I wanted to give up on him because uh, and we had talked last time, just even now I realized, you know, just that impulsive part of the brain, not quite <laughs> realizing, you know, consequences for the actions. And, but he had to learn the hard way. So the great news is we supported him. And then he came back to live with us in South Dakota. And and it's kind of funny for those of you who have may who may have kids in their 20s and i don't know if this happened to you and your kids in their early 20s but he kind of needed a break away from us and find our own way too at like 20 um or after he came back sorry i was probably like 23 24 25 but i want to report where he is today is that okay yeah please um so now he is 32 going on 33 and we are unbelievably proud of him. He has a great job. He's a mechanic and he went to tech school for mechanic in high school. So it's great that he's come back around and is doing great. 
He's um, just celebrated his four-year anniversary with his wife, and they have an adorable redheaded three-year-old, <laughs> and and it's pretty amazing. So we're just really, really proud of him. But again, I want to encourage your listeners not to give up because, I mean, I actually told God I give up on this kid, and God spoke to me through a message where the pastor doesn't remember looking at me, but said, some of you want to give up on your kids. And God doesn't want you to. So we, you know, that's when I had to quit my job and just keep loving him and and supporting him. And we're just so uh, excited where he's doing now. And it's also really exciting too, because it's been 10 years since his, um, he graduated from that program. So he is eligible uh, in the next month or two, his whole record is going to be wiped clean. So we praise God for that. Just like God wipes our record clean. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. And um, I've been through it, but as you were talking and I know we, when we chatted previously, also so many things crossed my mind, Jody, which makes me wonder if Rich maybe had been prenatally exposed to alcohol or other drugs. Um, Of course I can't diagnose anything FASD or anything, but some of the things you mentioned, um, you know, that he was very impulsive uh, he didn't ever learn from his consequences, um, had some learning disabilities. I know previously you said his friends, uh, at, you know, he had friends that were minors that were younger than him. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those things are very common uh, symptoms of an individual with an FASD, the ADHD. I don't know. Your daughter had the ADHD. Did your son? Yeah, have it, no, he did too. Yeah, they were both diagnosed with it. Yeah. So, and, and when, you know, when individuals with an FASD have the proper support, so the parents and the caregivers have the right tools, they're aware, they're educated, they're equipped for that, um, you know, then we can help our kids, uh, you know, with, with the accommodations and, and things and focusing on their strengths. And but when you don't know what you need, when you're when we don't know. And, and again, this was 25 years ago. You didn't know you didn't have access yeah. to that. So, you know, when we don't know what's going on and we don't have access to anything, we don't know to do anything different. So I know with individuals with an FASD, if, if, if they're not getting the proper, you know, if they're, if they're, their behaviors, which are really symptoms aren't viewed through the lens of, could this be because of prenatal exposure and, and it's impacting the brain, which is impacting behavior, um, you know, then we can actually do things, you know, and set expectations and um, parent and, 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 and be very punitive and not help can actually make things worse. And when our kids, you know, are like that round peg being, being um, pounded into a square hole and it's just not a good fit over and over and over and over again, then it can lead to what we call secondary and tertiary problems, which can include, you know, alcohol abuse, addiction to other substances, trouble with the law, incarceration and things like that. So my heart really, really aches, um, you know, for you, because um, there wasn't any, I'm positive there wasn't any resources or FASD awareness um, you know, for you to have access to, and, you know, maybe the journey would have been different, but I'm so grateful that you can report now, like you got them through the hardest years and that's what I'm learning. So my youngest two are 16 and 18. Um, and I'm, you know, always on the lookout for those things because it just seems like, you know, at any time, you know, we could be facing any of any of those kinds of outcomes because of their impulsivity, because of their memory problems, because their dismaturity, they're, you know, developmentally and emotionally much younger, you know, so they're vulnerable to be taken advantage of, um, you know, so many things. So, um, you know, that is, it's hard and it can be very scary, um, but your kids are doing so much better. If we can get them through those, those teens and those twenties and get them to their thirties, things, not that FASD ever goes away um, mm-hmm. because it impacts the brain development, but as, as the brain matures, you know, as, as, as the brain becomes fully developed and these kids kind yes. of bloom later with that um, they can finally get on stable ground. It seems in their thirties. And like my daughter who came in at eight as a kinship placement um, you know, we would have never looked at anything like, um, you know, fetal alcohol syndrome or anything with her. We wouldn't like, there was no, her mother wasn't an alcoholic or a drug addict. Her mother 
had a job, you know, she was a professional, she wasn't married and she was in her early thirties and she was told she couldn't have children because of health issues. So when she discovered she was pregnant, we believe she was probably far enough along to where she might've been just drinking socially on the weekends or something. And then of course stopped when she knew she was pregnant, but that could be just enough alcohol exposure to have that impact. So, um, you know, now, so we struggled with her through her, you know, she was hard, like you said, when she was little, but the teen years and the twenties were so hard. Um, And then, and then now she's like 31 married, expecting her first baby, finally on solid ground, you know, praying, praying parents, but um, you know, she gives us much grace because, you know, we made a lot of mistakes along the way because we didn't know what we were really, you know, dealing with. So it's hard in the end, your kids are doing much better now. And that's, that's, um, you know, so exciting to see. I'm so grateful. Um, you know, when we get them there in one piece, right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is so hard and it does. Yeah. It is similar just, um, since our kids are, uh, 30, uh, going on 33 and 34, just it seemed like to take that long. And I remember though, my, um, another one of the pastor's wife in our church in Nebraska, she was adopted from Korea when she was eight and she was like 28. And she told me something like, well, it's going to take like 15 or 20 years. till they see it. Or it takes like, she said something like it took me twice as long. I'm like, what? I can't do that. That's too long. <laughs> and that's why you know, I want to encourage the listeners just hang in there with God's strength and do your best. And, and, and I, and even being, you know, I remember even a, a friend of mine who is a biological parent was like, well, being a parent is all about saying you're sorry. Like we're not perfect. Um, but I am so uh, grateful that your listeners and, and that adoptive parents now have so many more resources and places to turn. And, you know, I just, cause I just felt like, why was I angry? Why do I feel so hopeless? Why am I you know, depressed and I'm not a depressed person, but it was just all the attachment craziness. And I did have yeah. counselors say, you know, get off the roller coaster. So then I tried to have, you know, like some other thing there. You know, that's actually when I became a personal trainer and focused on helping other people with their health, but it, it's just so hard, but I am grateful there's resources. And even after we talked last time, I'm like, I need to apologize to Tina for um, <laughs> just the disciplining and the trauma, you know, and, um, it's just so nice. I'm just so thankful God repaired that uh, relationship and then with Rich. But, yeah. yeah. Great. I'm so glad to hear how good they're both doing now. Um, and then I opened the show with Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Uh, mm-hmm. You chose that verse. So mm-hmm. um, what does that scripture mean to you? Well, yeah, well, I just want to say that um, I I think just if I could tell myself 25 years ago, just to know, know how broken they were and their brains, like you just said, not just their hearts, but their brains are broken. I mean, for sure, there's, you know, stuff going on um, with all, uh, you know, that impulsivity and stuff, but, and their wings are broken. They have broken hearts, broken brains, broken wings. And, and God called us to the task and it was very hard, but he used us and, you know, other people around us to repair those broken wings and hearts and brains <laughs> um, <laughs> so they could live a productive full life. So I, and, but also, I mean, my heart was broken in the process too, because I felt like my heart, you know, was being rejected. And, um, but I just thank God that he is, uh, that he helps heal our kids' broken hearts and our broken hearts and even, you know, rescues those whose spirits were crushed. I, I just love that verse. And then the Psalm 147, three, it was similar that he heals the broken heart hearted and binds up their wings, binds up their wounds. So I just think it's just a great uh, verse that we can apply to that. I know I apply to our kids and I think other adoptive parents can relate can relate to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think our listeners can definitely relate to just the challenges um, and then even lack of resources. Cause a lot of times even now um, and that's why I talk about trauma and FASD so much on this show, because it's so relevant um, to this population of children that we're serving, but it's not really understood or diagnosed or um, it's, it's not readily available. It's not necessarily 
or hardly ever part of foster parent training, even mm. um, the FASDP. So um, I yeah, talk about wow. it because we we need to know, right? Yeah. And even if they don't get a diagnosis, and I know parents who, you know, their kids should have had an FASD diagnosis, but because there wasn't maternal admission that birth mom drank alcohol, mm. they don't get the diagnosis, even though they have all the other symptoms, or they only rely on the facial features, which really only affect about 10% of individuals with an FASD, they'll have mm. the facial features that go along with it. So 90% of the population doesn't going to have the facial features, but they have the disability. So the brain difference. So, you know, now I feel like it's so important to talk about this, that parents need to know we need to be equipped so we can parent from that, you know, that standpoint of the lens of viewing everything through the brain, I've gotten some you know, training on that. So, and I continue to get that so I can be a better resource to our listeners and to other families that we're working with. Um, but because when you don't know, you don't know, but mm-hmm. it's important that we do know. And, and, you know, back in those early days, we, you and I didn't have access to a lot of that, Yeah. nor, yeah. nor maybe would we have known to be looking for anything out there, but now it is available, but families need to be aware of it and, and, and reach out for it and, 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 and get those resources. So I love the fact that even now, you know, this was 25 years ago and, and you just bought the connected child book and you're reading that. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, and uh, part of my passion is, uh, you know, I want to uh, read it and even learn from it. And, but also just to support others, you know, you have a friend and they just adopted a 12 year old boy you know, it's like, you know, just text me, pray for us. He just had a fit on the way to school. We don't know what to do. And I'm like, oh, I'm praying for you. And then, you know, five hours later, just picked him up. He's great. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> just that yeah. roller coaster, you know, just yeah. you know, to support other people. Cause I know, I mean, I, I mean, even though they're older now, I remember just the loneliness and the frustration that felt. And it's just such a blessing. There's resources, but even just, you know, connecting. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just important to you just throw this tip out. Um, I mean, just these kids are really good at dividing my husband and I, you know, as part of control, like sometimes I felt like it was like Tina and my husband against me and rich and just to, just to, you know, I mean, just to serve your kids, but also, um, take care of yourself, take care of your marriage. Um, you know, going on date nights, we try to get back to, it was important. So I remember one time we celebrated our anniversary and my in-laws came out and watched them. So that was great. And my father-in-law nicknamed my, our son Ace. <laughs> and uh, so our, our son actually, he went out to steal from my, both my, my sets of grandparents, but um, my father-in-law passed away several years ago, but it's, I wanted to share that uh, if, if, Richard ended up having him and his wife ended up having a girl, but it was a boy. They're going to name their son Ace. So I thought that was pretty cool, you know, after yeah. his nickname. So just, I mean, just again, you don't know the, um, you know, get the resources, just keep loving and you don't know the impact you're making, you know, till years down the road. So I just want to encourage, you know, listeners, keep, keep on loving and taking care of yourself, but serving those kids. And also I want to share four years ago, um, we, during our son's wedding, our younger sister was able to come out to it. And that was really special. So um, I'll just refer to her as Sherry. So we were talking one night and it was great for our daughter, Tina, to hear, you know, just how, well, like, I mean, Sherry said she was so blessed growing up with her parents and they are wonderful parents. And I asked her, I said, well, do you know why? they adopted you. And she's like, well, I just thought there wasn't room in the Thomas household, meaning, you know, there wasn't room in our household. I'm like, well, no, like from the get go, they wanted you, they wanted to adopt you. And, you know, I know, I know it's tough when siblings are separated, but it it was just, I mean, just relinquishment and surrender is what we got to do with all our kids. And that was just the way God wanted it. But I also, um, so that was just cool. I, I loved your book and just talking about you know, adoption and the spirit of adoption. And mm. I took the kids to one of the first councils I took them to, uh, just said, you know, just about adoptions, you know, said, Oh, like God adopts us, you know, just about just how God loves adoption. So I just love that your book too. And just, but that also when, um, when you are rejected, you have that, just that insecurity too, but just focusing yeah. on who 
you know, that God loves us. And, and also just with our daughter, we went to, it was, uh, when she was in high school, it took her and her friends who went in search of a princess conference and all about just how we're God's princesses. And it's so cool. That was a while ago, but she um, talks about, she refers to her daughter as a princess now. Mm. So, so anyway, praise God. Yeah. Praise God. Well, you've been, you've been giving us advice all throughout the interview, but I did want to wrap up um, with anything else that is on your heart that you would like to share to our listeners who are also on this adoption and foster care journey. Yeah. I just want to encourage you all. Yeah. I've been trying to give some tips uh, just not to give up and surrender. I had one counselor say relinquish is my word for you. It's the same for surrender. Because, I mean, God did put uh, on my heart, like, a 95 to adopt older kids. But then like, when it happened and it got hard, I'm like, okay, what are we doing? You know, but I think just nothing comes to our, uh, no kids, nothing comes into our life without going through God's filter. So, you know, just don't give up on the journey. I mean, get the support and and then surrender to God and, and let God heal your broken hearts and your children's hearts. You know, if you don't have a broken heart or you know, lean in and let God heal broken hearts or lean in and take God's hand and, you know, just continue through the journey one day at a time. Um, and also I think uh, for me, I mentioned this, just having the right expectations. I, I think just, I, I just, like I said, I think I expected too much from them and didn't, um, put myself in their shoes as much. And maybe it was a little different because we knew them for so many years. Uh, but just, you know, not, don't give up, surrender and keep moving forward with that strength. You know, just remember, you know, God loves you. God adopts us and God's called us to adopt and be a father to the fatherless. And I know for me, there are many times I didn't think I'd make it through, but um, as we talked, um, we did, I did, we did. <laughs> And we praise God and can be more proud of where they are today. So that's wonderful. I know foster care adoption, very messy, you know, yes. uh, oh, yeah. things, but you know, God reached down into our mess, you know, through Jesus and picked us up out of that. So, uh, and then he calls us to do the same to others. So, um, yes, amen. Yeah. Amen to that. So, um, do you have a website or a, a, a place where, cause I know that you are a, um, a health trainer. So do you have a website if our listeners want to learn more and connect yes. with you? Yes. I would love to, um, just support, uh, your listeners just if they even want to share a doctor store, but also support them. It's so important to take care of our health. So they can find me at jodythomas.net, J O D I T H O M A S dot net. And, um, I have different health coaching programs and, um, love for people to be in my free Facebook group, just with healthy living tips. And you can also contact me through there. You know, if you just want to follow up with something I said, or just need prayer. I mean, I know you're available to that too, but my passion really is encouraging, uh, women to embrace hope and health. So I love, well, I love to connect. Yeah, I love that. And we'll make sure that we put a link to your website in the show notes for this episode so that our listeners can just scroll down the episode and click on the link if they want to get right to your website. That's Jody with an I, jodythomas.net. Mm -hmm. And we'll make yep. sure that they have, have that link. And I just thank you so much, Jody. Um, thank you for being with us today, for sharing your story and for encouraging women. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And thank you, Sandra, for all you've done. And I loved your book. And I'm looking forward to reading the Connected Child book and just, you know, even becoming more aware of the other resources around now. So I appreciate what you're doing to equip and empower those who adopted, adopted children, because I know it's not easy. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. Have a great day, everybody. Oh, I hope you were encouraged by my conversation with Jody. Um, I appreciate you listening to this episode. Uh, if you were encouraged, be sure to check out the show notes uh, to find a link to Jody's website. Uh, also, be sure to leave us uh, a review, subscribe, and you can reach out to me, of course, again, um, by, my, by my email, sandraflackjfo at gmail.com or through the website, justicefororphansny.org. 
Now, I did want to remind you about some resources that we are offering. We're offering an FASD 101 training currently. Uh, I can do that online or in person. Uh, it's about three hours. I can modify it to be a little bit shorter, um, but it works in a great three-hour session with a couple breaks built in. Um, and it's really for uh, parents and professionals working with kids who, uh, whether diagnosed or not, uh, it's believed that uh, they were prenatally exposed. Uh, so as we're updating our website, soon you will be able to actually register for uh, the course, whether you want to host it for a group uh, or whether you just yourself want to uh, participate in one, um, you'll be able to register online soon. Uh, however, uh, right now, if you wanted to sign up for that or get that going with a group, your, your uh, adoptive or foster parent support group or foster parent training classes or continuing ed, um, any of that kind of thing, um, you can reach out to me again through my website uh, or through my email uh, to sign up and we can get, we can get that set up. Um, also, I'm continuing to kind of give a little teaser that we have something special brewing that we are going to release in September, um, more than the support group, but uh, I am putting together uh, a support group in collaboration with another well-known FASD adoptive mama. So stay tuned for that. Um, you won't want to miss being able to participate in that. We're going to do it a, a virtual support group. Uh, and uh, we're excited to get that off the ground in September for FASD Awareness Month. And don't forget the name change starting with the very next episode. This podcast will now be known as the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast. So thank you so much for sticking with me to the end here. Um, and make sure that you check out also my book. I know that Jody mentioned my book. I had sent a copy to her and she read it and recommends it, but um, it's about my family's uh, kinship and adoption journey, how we brought our four Ukrainian born kids home and our daughter who came in through a kinship situation. The name of the book is Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father, available wherever you buy books. If you purchase it on Amazon, whether you get the Kindle or the, or the um, soft cover, you could go in and leave a review after you read it. I would greatly appreciate that. If you would like a signed copy, personally signed by me with a free uh, special gift bookmark, I will personally sign it and pop it in the mail to you to order a signed copy. You would go to my website, sandraflack.com. And there you would also be able to learn more about me, read my blog for foster and adoptive and kinship parents, contact me for speaking opportunities, all of that exciting stuff. Um, and I have to make sure I give a shout out to our wonderful, supportive uh, Care Portal County sponsors. Tri-Nuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, and National Bank of Kooksaki. These businesses care about children and families in crisis, and they help us do what we do. So a big thank you to them. Be sure to follow Justice for Orphans on social media. We have a Facebook and an Instagram page. You can also find me, Sandra Flack, also on Facebook and Instagram. So look me up there. I'm grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today, and I'm thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for